The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the war is over. A crumbling empire struggles to regain power and order, especially in the outer reaches of the galaxy. A lone bounty hunter from the planet Mandalore is hired by a mysterious group of Imperial forces to retrieve a special child from a distant encampment. However, what the Mandalorian thought would be a routine assignment would become quite an adventure when his conscience leads him to take the child and go on the run to protect him from harm. Now our unlikely hero must juggle his role as a mercenary while becoming more dedicated to the child's safety and well-being, risking his own life to take on the new responsibility of being a guardian. So caring for and looking out for little Grogu's may not be the most exciting job in the galaxy. Certainly being a bounty hunter or a mercenary would be a heck of a lot more fun, especially when the little dudes think everything is a toy, right? Now, here's the deal. Anybody who's a parent knows that your kids start thinking everything is a toy, including you. Certainly, I have that experience, whether it was my, my, my daughters when they were young, who I, you know, I wanted to be their hero, and so you spend a lot of time playing, and they think you are the toy, but now, now that I've got little boys, also, the whole, like, toy thing goes to another level because boys and their toys, right? They, they break toys, they manage, they get a truck, and wheels come off very quickly, and I think they think... I'm like a toy that they can break. And so it's not uncommon for them to jump on my bed with their knees out and knee me wherever they can target. And so whether that's us tickling or playing and wrestling or, you know, throwing the ball, right? Or them being really entertained by making body noises, whatever it is, right? Everything's a game and everybody's a toy, especially Dad, and what I love about this sermon series watch list is that we get to use, you know, movies like Star Wars and the Star Wars series or a show like Mandalorian or others that we've pointed out throughout the series to really illustrate how the reason why we're attracted to these kind of movies is because the best movies relate to attention that we all feel. We see ourselves in the characters. We, we relate to their pain or their tension or what they're going through. And so, you know, uniquely in the Star Wars saga and in, its, uh, in the show that came after it, The Mandalorian, there's this real tension about fa- the relationship between fathers and sons and that whole father-son dynamic and, you know, maybe even a child and parent relationship. As we're going through this series, I'm also walking through the life of King David, the greatest king in the entire nation of Israel, who has many, many chapters in the Bible devoted to telling his story and recounting the history of his life and the nation of Israel. And at the end of David's life, he pulls his son Solomon close. Solomon is the already the crowned heir to the throne of the nation of Israel. David leans into his son and he gives him incredible, powerful words, a real challenge. And 
The key statement in that entire challenge is found in the first book of Kings, which is telling the story of the kings, chapter 2, verse 2, where David leans in on his deathbed and he says, prove yourself a man. David's giving him his last dying words. Prove yourself a man. Prove yourself to be a true man. Be a great leader. Be a, be a good father. Be the kind of father that your sons want to be like. Prove yourself a man. These words strike an even more powerful chord when you, know, when you go back and you look at the story of David, that he had some daddy issues. A little bit like uh, you see kind of played out in the Star Wars saga, uh, when you know, kind of the epic line, whether you've ever seen the movies or not, you know that there's this relationship, this very strained relationship between Luke and Darth Vader. And there's this moment where, you know, Darth Vader says to him, Luke, I am your father, right? Like, and I want to say it in that Darth Vader voice. That, that relationship comes out of uh, the creator of those movies' own relationship with his father. Every film creator, right? They work in their own story, their own pain, just like authors do to books and songwriters do the lyrics. And so what you find out is that George Lucas, the, the guy who wrote, created the Star Wars movies that preceded the Mandalorian show, he had a, he had a, a, a strained and estranged relationship with his father. Why? Because his dad wanted him to take over uh, running an office supply store, and he wanted nothing to do with it. And his dad did not support him becoming a filmmaker, and so it created a real strain in the relationship where George Lucas kind of went through his adult life feeling very distant from his father. And you see this, you know, let's jump back to the real life story of David where um, the prophet Samuel comes to the home of Jesse, David's father. The prophet Samuel shows up and he, he says, you know, God has sent me to anoint one of your sons, the king, the next king of the nation of Israel. And, and so he says, bring me all of your sons. And so Jesse invites seven sons to stand before Samuel. But as Samuel is looking at them, he thinks, yeah, of course, this one's definitely the king because he looks like a king. He's big and strong and powerful and good looking. But each of the seven sons, God spoke to Samuel and said, this is not the king. And so at the end, he says, do you have any more sons? And he goes, well, yeah, of course, I've got one more, but he's just a little runt. He's out following the sheep. And Samuel says, call for him. And when David comes, God speaks to Samuel and says, that, that's the one, that's the king. But the challenge is that, you know, David was overlooked by his own father. He wasn't even invited to the lineup. He was despised by his brothers. One day he goes, to, he goes to bring his brother's meals by the command of his father. He goes out to the battlefield where the nation of Israel is at war against the, the Philistines. He goes to bring his brother's uh, meals and they despise him. You know, you little punk, what are you doing? Just coming to watch the battle? God uses David in that moment to step up and stand out and to fight a giant named Goliath. And he helps the nation of Israel win 
the war. However, even though he helped win that battle and became very quickly a great warrior, the king of the nation of Israel, Saul, began to hate and despise David. Why? Because he sensed in David what he used to be. And he saw in David a threat to his own kingdom. In fact, I want to go back and I want to kind of show you this glimpse into the relationship between King Saul and David. Now, on, its, on the surface, it just sounds like a power struggle, but there's more to it. Sam, uh, Saul had actually tried to set David up to be killed in battle by luring him into a fight that was bigger than he was, uh, by getting him to basically, he had to earn or prove himself to be worthy of Saul's daughter. So David goes to a fight, ends up not getting killed, ends up marrying Saul's daughter, and now he's son-in-law to the king. But all that does is make Saul angrier. And so now he's hunting and hating David. And so we'll jump into 1 Samuel chapter 18, where it reads this way. It kind of gives you a little glimpse into their story. Saul was very angry, and this refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Jump ahead just a little bit. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him. Saul, listen to this. Saul is trying to kill David. David escapes and, and, and the author says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David and he had departed Saul. Some of you have had individuals in your life that were a little bit like Saul. It wasn't just that you had an absent father, you had a father absent of character. And, and when people begin to develop daddy issues, it's often because they had a, a dad who wasn't there or a dad who rejected them or left them, abandoned them. And I know that this is sensitive, so please be patient with me. I just wanna share my heart and I wanna share the word of God with you, but we gotta be honest about the pain that so many are carrying. But you, maybe you had a father that wasn't healthy in your life, and what you see in Saul is a warning of what to avoid in being a father. Saul was impulsive. He gave in to his emotions. He was angry. He lashed out. He was violent. He was hurtful and hateful. Saul was jealous and selfish. He was looking out for what he wanted, and when he saw something someone else had, and he wanted it, he took it. He looked out for his own interests rather than the interests of others. He was suspicious even of his own son, Jonathan, and suspicious of his son-in-law, David. He was always fearing that they were conspiring against him, and then finally, he was not a man of God. God had withdrawn from him, and that made him hateful and resentful. The result of having daddy issues, and this is what we see in our culture, and you see this in so many people, 
It, it makes them afraid, afraid of commitment. Many individuals who maybe they had daddy issues are, are afraid to get married. Young men who are afraid to become fathers because they're afraid that they're gonna hurt someone the way they got hurt. It also makes them rebellious, raging against authority. So much of what we see in our culture is the result of rebellious young people because they lacked good fathers in their life. And so they rage against authority. They ignore authority. They have no problem, um, you know, not just mistreating authority, but thinking they can go against authority. And then a final thing that you see is that people without good father figures in their life often are immature and irresponsible because they didn't have a father to challenge them to grow up. We see this in America today. We have a fatherless generation that has grown up. You know, 42% of young people are growing up in a home without their biological father. 25% of young people do not have a father figure in the home. And, and what's the result? What, what happens when you have that kind of lack of fathers in your life? Well, uh, you, children that grow up in a home absent of father are four times more likely to end up uh, in poverty. Girls are seven times more likely to have a crisis teenage pregnancy. Kids are more likely to be abused and neglected. They're more likely to have behavioral issues. They're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. They're twice as likely to drop out of high school. They're significantly more likely to commit crimes and end up in prison. Am I saying that moms can't do a great job raising their children? No, that's not what I'm saying. They just can't be a dad. And we live in a culture that at best is discounting the value of fathers and at worst is attacking men and fathers. They're tearing down the value of manhood and fatherhood. And I wanna do just the opposite today. I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage men to be men I want to encourage men to grow up and become fathers. Let me be clear. Your biology doesn't make you a man. Your biology doesn't make you godly. And just because you, you um, were part of the process of a child being born, I'm trying to be discreet here, does not make you a father. So I want to jump back in the story of David at the end of his life. When David is passing on to his son, powerful words. And I want to pull some lessons out of these words. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And so let me just read a little bit of that to you. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. I'm about to die. So be strong. Act like a man. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, and as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, if they walk faithfully before me with all of their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel." And if, as you continue to read, David just continues to challenge his son with powerful fatherly words. Now, the truth is, 
David was a much better king than he was father. But he learned how to overcome his daddy issues, resolve some of his own internal tension, get right with God the Father, and pass on a fatherly challenge and heart to Solomon. Look, it's not enough for you just to not cause your children pain. Don't, don't, we're not just trying to avoid being the excuse for them the rest of their life. We're called to be the shoulders our children stand on. That's the challenge I want to give you. That's what David does. That's what it means to be a good and godly father, to be the shoulders our children stand on. If you go back to the Mandalorian show, uh, as was referenced in the opening, there's this scene where Mando and the droid are, are trying to attack a an enemy target. And when they lock in, Mando sees into the target, into the cradle, what he thought was supposed to be a 50-year-old. But instead, he sees just a small child. A and so he's arguing with the droid, saying, no, no, we're going to take it alive. And the droid refuses and prepares to shoot. And then there's this sudden explosion. And what you see in the show is that Mando destroys the droid and then takes Grogu, receives him, brings him back, and then basically adopts him. Now, I share that story. We share this clip with you because uh, here's the thing. Really, that's, that's a little, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a cute, silly glimpse of what God has done for us. God the Father came close to us. He sent his son to give his life to rescue us. He got in between us and the attack we were facing. Now, our attack was both external and internal. We faced the attacks from the world around us, but we also face an internal attack, a spiritual attack that comes from our own sin. We reject God and we go our own way. As a result, we deal with spiritual daddy issues. What comes from rejecting God our Father? Sin, which is this spiritual corruption in us, causes us to push away from God and do life on our own. It stirs fear. It stirs rebellion. And it brings about a life of irresponsibility. But God came close to us. He attacked and he destroyed our attacker, sin and death and forever judgment. Jesus took on himself the judgment we deserved and he died in our place. In the, in the show, Mando helps Grogu discover his purpose, his potential. God, God rescues us, gives us new life and forever life, forgives us of sin. Jesus brings us in a right relationship with God the Father and then helps us discover our greatest potential and purpose, only found through faith in Jesus Christ. Look, dads, before you go trying to be a better dad, parents, before you go trying to be a better parent, those of you that are mentors and you're an influence to younger people or to someone who's looking up to you, before you try to be better at that, start by having a better relationship with God the Father. You can be a good father when you have a good father. You can love when you've been loved. You forgive when you've been forgiven. What fills, spills. And so begin through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're making that commitment right now, would you let us know? Text the name Jesus 
to 81411. And you begin this new journey through faith in Jesus. We want to encourage you as you begin this journey. We want to cheer you on. Uh, we want to celebrate you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ, where you begin to have a healthy, loving relationship with God the Father, where you receive his love, where you know that God is for you, not against you, that God wants to lavish his goodness in your life and help you overcome any daddy issues you may have. Now I want to take a moment, a few moments, and I want to jump back into the challenge that David gave Solomon because I believe in there, there are some qualities and attributes of what it looks like to allow as fathers to give our shoulders for our children to stand on. By the way, I, I took that line from a, a, a powerful quote by Sir Isaac Newton, an incredible physicist, mathematician, who gave us, you know, basically modern math and modern physics, he said, if I have seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. I said, dads, let's be, the, let's be the shoulders that our kids can stand on, whether they know it or not. What did David offer him? Jump back in, First um, Kings chapter two, starting in verse two, he said, be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Dads, mentors, leaders, influencers, offer the shoulders of un undaunted moral courage. I say undaunted because I mean in the face of anything and everything, I don't care what cancel culture throws at you. I don't care what our current woke culture throws at you. You have an undaunted commitment to walking out moral courage and letting your children stand on and those who are depending, you, depending on you to stand on the shoulders of your undaunted moral courage. I want when my kids look at my life, to see a dad who is not afraid to stand up and stand out for what God says is right and best. That doesn't mean I have to be a social media jerk. It means that in many ways, in a very quiet, powerful way, I'm gonna do what's right and I'm gonna do what's best and I'm gonna stand up for what's right and best regardless of the cost and in the face of great threat and danger. Do what's right. Live a life that's right. What I mean is you have to have your moral compass squarely focused on the word of God. In a world that has no standards and no absolutes, you anchor your life in the absolutes of God's word. You build your life on God's word so that you develop moral courage to do what's right and do what's best. You live it loudly you walk it out more than you talk it out. And the way you develop that kind of moral courage is by following Jesus passionately. One of my favorite lines for leadership is, live it before you lead it. You live it by following Jesus. You don't have to do it perfect. David wasn't perfect. But what we can do is in our imperfection, we live it out in front of our kids. We, we let them watch us fail and get back up. We let them watch us mess up and confess our sins. 
mess up and ask for forgiveness, mess up and then have to say, I'm sorry. We let our kids see us struggle um, through our doubts to come to an even greater faith in God. We let them see us as we pray and study the word of God. We live it out in front of our kids. Let them see you live out your moral courage, never selling out, never abandoning your integrity. And if you ever stumble or fall, you're the first one to acknowledge it and make it right. This is living out the undaunted moral courage that we pass on to the next generation. The second thing you notice in this passage is this. He says this. He's cha David's challenging Solomon with the words that God had given him. If they will walk faithfully before me, before God, with all of their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. The key is this. Offer the shoulders of unrelenting faithfulness. Father's faithfulness is the foundation for the future. Be loyal long. Live a long obedience in the same direction. Be faithful in your marriage. Be faithful to your wife. Love her, honor her, show your kids what it looks like to be faithful in the home. Be faithful to your children, be fully present. Put down your phone, put away the device, turn off the TV, turn off ESPN if you have to. And I'm not trying to go after you dads, I'm just saying men, let's be men who are faithful. Faithful long, do the right thing long enough, love long in an unrelenting, unfailing way. We, you're going to follow Jesus and you're going to love long so that your whole life is a story of your faithfulness and they can see God's faithfulness in and through your life. Unrelenting faithfulness. I want my kids, when they look at daddy, to go, man, my dad wasn't perfect, but he was faithful. He loved mommy. He loved us. He loved Jesus. Final thing that you, you see in this story of David, Solomon, if you jump to uh, another historical book called Chronicles, which again, it's giving the chronicles of the kings of the nation of Judah and Israel. You get this moment, and I wanna just read it to you. David, uh, David wanted to build God a, a temple, but God spoke to him through the prophet uh, that he would not do that. So here, here's the passage found in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Meaning he was going to have his son build the temple that he couldn't build. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. The point is this. Offer the shoulders of selfless sacrifice. David wasn't able to live the dream. David had some incredible successes, but God had told him that he wasn't going to build the temple. And so David quickly shifted, and he said, okay, if I can't build it, I'm going to make sure that my son can build it. 
And the key is this. In contrast to King Saul, who was trying to build himself up, David set his son up. Fathers, let's make sure that we set our kids up. Let's make sure we set up those around us. Let's set the next generation up by giving them our shoulders of selfless sacrifice. I believe that the greatest picture of a father is someone who selflessly gives to set the next generation and those who are vulnerable up to protect them, to serve them, to give to them, asking for nothing in return. That's a father. You give and you serve and you love, you forgive and you, you lay your life down asking for nothing in return. You don't need credit. You don't need attention. You don't need affirmation. You're willing to give your life away asking for nothing in return. That's what it means to be a father. So if you don't get any praise for it, that's okay. That's what it means to be a father. If you don't get any applauses or accolades, that's okay. You give those accolades away to the next generation. You make sure they hear you say to them, I love you. I am proud of you. I'm here for you. And I will serve and set you up for the future. I will help you serve God. I will give my life to make sure you have everything you need to follow God and to build the work of God for the next generation. That's what it means to be a father. So I want to land this with two key challenges. Dads, you're doing awesome. God sees you. Every moment of moral courage, every moment of unrelenting faithfulness, every moment of unseen selfless sacrifice. We're proud of you. I know you don't get it enough, but we stand with you. I know in a culture that is all crazy right now, calling out toxic masculinity and beating down manhood and fatherhood, I want you to know we're proud of you. We're standing with you. We're gonna hold your arms up. Continue to prove yourself a man. Dads, we need you. Your kids, it's not just your kids that need you. Entire society needs you. Stay the course. Don't you quit. There's some of you, as I preach this message, maybe you got tears running down your face. Maybe this one just hurts. You needed this and you didn't get it. Here's what I want you to know. I felt like God spoke this to my heart as I was preparing this message. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men within LifeHouse who would love to speak into your life. We got a lot of really amazing fathers around here, hundreds of them. You need someone to be a, a strength in your life. You need someone to offer you a word of encouragement. You need someone to say they're proud of you. Good, go find one of these dads. I promise you, they'll stand with you. All you gotta do is step up, let somebody know. I promise you there are plenty of dads who are God honoring good men who'd be more than happy to be a fatherly voice in your life. You just let someone know. Now with that, let me take a moment and pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you did not abandon us. You didn't just kick us to the curb. You stepped up and you stepped in and you intervened and you rescued us from sin, shame, and guilt and death. Jesus, you offered your life to give us life. Thank you. You offered selfless sacrifice. Jesus, may we walk just a little bit in your way. I pray for strength and wisdom and authority and courage over the men.
men of our church. God, I pray that you'd raise up a generation of boys that we get a chance to invest into, that grow up to be men of God. Men who have undaunted moral courage, unrelenting faithfulness, and selfless sacrifice. And God, for those right now, they have a father wound. God the Father, would you begin to heal that wound? And then would you surround them with godly men who can speak life over them? In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.